Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Before we get started on another wonderful new episode of the Law of Attraction Roundtable, I'd like to talk to you about the next boot camp. This will be boot camp eight, and it starts March 9th, Monday, March 9th. We're getting ready for it, so it's just a couple weeks away. So this boot camp eight is a little special because we've had a few boot campers that have graduated and they've contributed to a fund that allows for scholarships. We've already given away a few scholarships, but we have a few more to give. So if you're ready to go to the next level of integrating what you know about the law of attraction and what Joshua has been talking about, well, this might be the perfect time for you. Here's how it works. We're gonna to get together with a group of people all over the world. There might be 60, 70, 80, 100 people in this boot camp from every country that you can imagine. Well, not every country, but a lot of English speaking ones. And we start on that Monday, March 9th, it's eight weeks. We start very general. It's been uh, created by Joshua in the system that takes you vibrationally from where you are now to eight weeks later to a whole new understanding of how the law of attraction works, how you can approach life in a way that effectively engages it, and to discover your soul's purpose. Now, once you discover this idea of who you truly are, your authentic self, you will start living a different way and seeing yourself from a higher perspective. This is what causes the change because now when you receive inspiration or ideas, you will act based on who you truly are and not who you're truly not. In doing that, the inspiration makes more sense to you. It's no longer a wild idea or something that you can't do. It's the thing that you can do in the moment that will lead you on an evolution of a, or a journey of self-discovery. Your hidden talents and attributes will emerge. You will start doing things that will lead you towards your passions and interests, and you will develop those passions. In knowing who you truly are, you will feel worthy of those passions. You'll start to feel better. You'll start to be in alignment more often. You'll start to understand how this whole system works and what the law of attraction really is and how you can make it work for you. You'll know the difference between what you truly want and what you think you want. What you think you want are these desires based in lack and they're not really fulfilling. What you truly want is defined by your pre-birth intentions. And if you can allow those things to unfold, you will live this amazing, incredible, wonderful, joy-filled life. This is the life that I am beginning to live now, and it's really amazing, and it's the life that so many of their boot campers, if you read any of their testimonials, they're living this way too. It's a completely and radically new approach to life. In this approach to life, you simply become more effective. You're more effective in your relationships, building the relationships with other people. You're more effective in your career or business or whatever you're doing. You see yourself as more worthy and you allow more things in, more money, more good health, more fun times, more new experiences, and of course, better relationships. So if you are ready to integrate what you've learned about the law of attraction and what Joshua has been teaching into the very fabric of your being, now is the best time to start. If you have any interest or excitement, that's your inner self telling you that at least check it out. And the way you check it out is by having a conversation with me. That may seem scary, but every one of these conversations is really fun. We do it over Zoom. We can see each other. I'll record it so you can have it and listen to it later. And you'll know 
all about the bootcamp and if it's right for you. If it is, great. Maybe you'll get a scholarship. If it isn't, you'll know for sure. So if you want to have a conversation with me and talk about the bootcamp, and of course, there'll be fears coming up, I will tell you how it works, and you'll see if those fears are irrational or not. And then you can make a decision. So to contact me, simply send me an email to garybodley at gmail.com, and I'll send you a link so you can schedule your time, and we'll get together. Otherwise, have a wonderful time listening to this episode, and please like it and follow it and leave comments. And of course, if you ever want to contact me, send me an email. You can send a question to me or to Joshua, and I'll be happy to send back an answer. Have a wonderful time, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm Gary Temple Bodley, and with me is my special guest, Melissa Monte, who has the Mind Love podcast. It's super popular, and I was lucky to be a guest on Melissa's podcast. And in that podcast, in that conversation that you and I had, you came back with the most interesting questions that anyone has ever asked me. And it was like really keeping me on the top of my toes. And I thought, man, this person has got something here. So I couldn't wait to have you on this podcast. So thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. We had a great conversation before, so I'm excited to see where this one leads us. All right, let me start by asking you, you are a top-notch podcaster. You are in this mind, love, mental health, maybe spirituality, maybe self-improvement genre. Your podcast is super popular and you get to interview and talk to some of the most interesting people in the world. And I was going to ask you this question, besides me, who's the most interesting person you've talked to? The one that stands out for me is Paul Selig because I had found Paul Selig. He was one of the first people who made me really deeply believe in channeling. Wow. Because I was raised with a religion that, you know, taught you that to to turn off ideas, you know, if it didn't fall in line. And so I moved out of that religion when I became an adult. Um, but I can still feel certain things pop up of like skepticism of things or, or an, an immediate need to doubt or whatever. So I like, that's why on my podcast, a lot of what I do is I blend the spirituality with the science because so often they're saying the same things in different words. So I like to show people what those have in common, but he was like living proof to be able to see him channeling in person. And then through that, I was able to discover more channelers, including you. Yeah. Well, I have my notes for you and my only note is Paul Selig. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Okay. So I found him too. And I, when I started channeling, I thought it was just Esther Hicks, you know, Esther Hicks, right? Yeah. So I thought it was just Esther and through Esther, I knew Jane Roberts and Seth, but that's all there was. And so I said, well, is there anyone else doing this? And I found Paul and obviously conversations with God, story waters, and then the whole, and it keeps going and going and going. And for me, the first thing I said, I bought the book, I am, I am, what is it? I am word. And in reading that, I knew that Joshua's stuff was totally consistent with this. And I'm finding other people now that I'm talking to that They are channeling whoever they're channeling, but the message is very consistent. It may be more general or more specific, but there's no contradiction in any of it. 
it's right amazing yeah it really is yeah and it, what i love about him he's got such a unique way of doing it too and so yeah, it's like, very interesting to watch but yeah i i noticed that too where i saw that book i am the word come up over and over again in my like audible and kindle recommendations and i love to read and and listen to books as well and I kept putting it off because it sounded like it was going to be a religious text. Right. And, um, but then it just kept popping up and I was like, okay, I can't ignore this anymore. And I do believe that things come to you when you are ready. I don't think I was ready before. And then I was just listening to it. And there's something about the voice and everything. It was just truth after truth after truth. And I noticed that too when I started researching other things because that was what, that's what I like to find is the common denominators between all the religions. I'm not turning off my brain to religion completely. Uh, I just don't like certain structures and I like to find the through line and the common denominators of all belief systems. And I find that that is what gets you closer to the truth. Yes. And it resonates with you at some level. So mm -hmm. there are people who have belief systems that will not allow them to entertain the idea of a channel that this could be anything. And so that can't come to them. It's not going to come to them because it wouldn't make sense to them. But for those of us who are on this quest for, you know, what, how does this reality work and how can we effectively use how the system works to create the lives that we always intended to live, these big, bold lives that, that now are possible for everyone, especially in this age of technology and awakening and all that. And, you know, if you think about religion, well, I bet you the basis of all religion is this stuff, but it was rewriting over the years and control came in and fear came in and it, it morphed into something different. Yet at the essence of it, you know, I always say heaven and hell is not actual places. It's, it's how you perceive things. And if you perceive them as, okay and good and if you're in that stream of consciousness of joy and and well-being and you're in alignment in alignment is heaven living on earth and out of alignment when you're connected to that stream of consciousness of fear and doubt and lack you're basically in hell but you have your choice of how you perceive things and this will help you either maintain alignment or if you are really living in fear you're going to be living in that stream of consciousness of lack and fear Right. That's how I view it too. And for me, even that is more motivating because it's actually more of an immediate gratification thing. Like I've been to hell, you know, yeah. I've lived in hell. I know what that's like. And I feel the difference now. And, you know, sometimes you have to go there to really appreciate the heaven that you create. Uh, it's hard to know worthiness without knowing really what it feels like to feel worthless. It's yeah. hard to know the light without your darkness. And so, um, yeah, I, I look at it the same way. Yeah. Okay. So Joshua talks a lot about inspiration and, and in alignment, we receive the inspiration that will take us on this course of self-discovery to discover who we truly are. And as we're on that path of self-discovery, our true talents and attributes will come forth. And so a lot of us don't act on the inspiration. We're getting inspiration all the time, but we don't act on it. What was the inspiration that led you to starting Mind Bluff? Do you want the long version or yeah, the short version? Yeah, long version. <laughs> okay. So by the time I had come up with the idea for Mind Love, I had gone through an entire journey. And so I remember when I was growing up, my life was pretty it's a pretty charmed life. Not a lot bad happened other than like I guess my parents divorced, but that was all I knew because it happened really young and and I was a 
good student. I, I've always felt like things came naturally to me. There wasn't a lot of hardship until there was. And so when I was 15, I was raped. And then I lost a close friend to suicide. And then by the time I was out of high school, uh, my first year of college, my dad died. I was just spiraling. Yeah. And I didn't realize it because I wouldn't allow myself to feel it. I was using whatever I could to numb that kind of pain. Uh, so it started with just trying to pretend like nothing was happening and overriding my feelings. Then, you know, college happened and I was able to drink as much as I want. I had, a, there was a tally on the whiteboard in my dorm hallway of how many nights I went out and it would get erased on a night that I actually stayed in. And I had it up to like 72 nights that I was just like binge drinking. And so, um, yeah, I was not in a very good place. So then by the time I got out of college, I ended up in a, it was one of those things where, you know, the worse, the more I, the less love I was giving myself, the more I was craving it from other people. Yeah. Um, the, the worse I treated myself, the lower my standards became for how I allowed myself to be treated. And I remember just wanting like, I would get swept up in other people's lives. Like I would meet a new friend and I would just dive right into whatever they were doing, including boyfriends. So I met this guy and he had everything together. He gave me a diamond necklace on our first date. And I was like, oh, my fresh start. He can just sweep me into his life. I can forget about mine, whatever. And because of this like dream that I built up, I didn't allow myself to see what was really happening. And slowly this picture that I painted of our life together was was diminishing. And it ended up that he was lying to me. He was cheating on me. He was addicted to meth, but it was at a point where nothing he did appalled me enough to leave because I could relate. And I thought maybe I, I could fix him. Maybe that was easier than fixing myself. Or if I, or if he didn't deserve love, then what did I deserve? Like I believed he was all I deserved really deep down looking back right. at the time. All I knew was I had to hang on. Well, that led me to my absolute rock bottom. He um, turned out he was actually secretly robbing houses. And mm. that's where all his money came from, his jewelry business. That diamond necklace he gave me on our first date implicated me. Yeah. And we got arrested together. And I had just gotten back from being away for a month. I was trying to clear my head, get away from him. You know, I, was, I, I had these lifelines I was trying to get out. It was like an emotionally abusive relationship. And... Um, Long story short, basically, since we were arrested together, if one of us fought the charges, we both went to trial. And um, so I was faced with the option of going to court to prove my innocence because during whatever these like eyewitness accounts, I was actually in Hawaii for that whole month or taking a, a deal. At that point, if I went to court, he was guaranteed to get 10 years in jail. Mm. And, or I could take a felony plea deal so he could too. And at that point, I was so used to giving him everything. I, I gave him my freedom too. And that was obviously the wrong choice. He ended up going straight to rehab. I was alone. I was trying to remember the last time I even felt whole. I couldn't. And uh, I, I started to try, kind of work on myself. I moved to LA to get away from him. He followed me there actually um, and got like lived in a one of those like halfway houses for a while, but he was like tormenting me, throwing bricks through my windshield, breaking into my house at night. It was so scary. Um, but then finally he was arrested on another string of robberies and I was free. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I decided I was not going to waste my freedom and I was going to figure out how to make something of all this. Yeah. But my mom would tell me like, wow, this is going to make a great book one day. Mm -hmm. And at the time I remember thinking, but 
it doesn't make sense because every chapter is like a new screwed up situation. It's like chicken soup for the screwed up soul. Like, (laughs) like what does this have in common other than I've made every mistake in the book? But what I ended up figuring out was as low as I let myself get, of course I can look at it where a lot of those things weren't my fault. And I'm doing air quotes for the things that people can't see, but is it a coincidence that all of my self-beliefs were being reflected outside of me. Everything that I believed that I deserved would automatically come into my life. And so the next years were me really digging myself out. And that felony could be the worst thing that ever happened to me, especially for an honor roll student, like straight A's, like on the dean's list in college. But it was also a slingshot to entrepreneurship for me. So that's when I started learning digital marketing. I started yeah. teaching myself how to build a business. Because you and couldn't get a job. Because I would, who wants to figure out how to tell that story on two lines of a job application? Right. I was embarrassed to try. Yeah. And so I, have, I had gotten jobs after that while I was trying to figure out building my own business. I worked for startups, but I jobs were attracted to me, you know, like yeah. I, I was offered a lot of jobs. I, I would tell people the story once I was actually in the company because I'm a very, I'm, I don't seem like a threat. I felt like I could <laughs> tell people that story and it's part of my story. So sure. I, I wanted to unpack the shame, but, um, yeah. And so after a while though, it's like I had to get punched in the face from every direction. I ended up having a really toxic boss. And so it was like I needed to learn that I needed to take control of my life from every single angle. And so it was that moment of realizing it's my rock bottoms definitely got weren't as low as that other one, but realizing like, okay, now this, this person is affecting my life in a negative way. Uh, it's, it's seeping out into other areas of my life, not just him yelling at me at work and whatever. And so I finally decided I needed something on the side to make me happy. And I started mind love and it was so in alignment. Um, of realizing, I I went back to all those purpose activities, like what has made me happy? What do I want to feel? Like I was very, very strategic about how I came up with this idea. And I realized that all these things that I thought were distractions, like the things that I would do in my free time always had to do with the power of the mind and taking control of my own life again, rather than letting my circumstances define me. And so when it came to the power of the mind, that's, that's what I landed on the topic. And just as it would have it, my first podcast I ever started listening to was Smart Passive Income by Pat Flynn. And two days later, he sent out an email that he was launching his first podcasting course. And so wow. in that moment, I went full force, <laughs> realized within a couple months that this was more than a hobby, quit my job, and my whole life, life has been different ever since. So there's a couple things here. Those events that happened, Josh, would be called manifestation events. and. <clears throat> What happens is that at the first resistant thought, that's a sign that your resistance to this thought, whatever the thought is, and it's based in a limiting belief. And of course, most of us ignore those resistant thoughts. And then something happens in your reality that's now more obvious. It's the same resistance, but it's an actual event. And if you resist that event, then it gets deeper and deeper. So you probably had a whole bunch of events leading up to this boyfriend where you felt unworthy. And then finally something happened that was so big that you couldn't ignore it. And that event triggered an expansion, which led you to see your life from a different perspective. And now you make new choices based on that new perspective that this is not working. This isn't what I want. I'm going to be different. And so you become different, but that event itself 
was so beneficial because of the fact that it went so far as to have an arrest record. Well, now in your mind, you're like, well, I just can't get a normal job. And so I'll have to go into this other avenue that was meant for you all along to become who you're going to become, right? And so you're on this journey of self-discovery that started with the discovery that you didn't feel your own worth. And now that's changing and changing. And so every step along the way, who you encounter, you know, how big you get, the more impressive guests you have, you're going to have to be managing that self-worth. Like imagine if you, you know, got someone super famous to be on the podcast, it's way ahead of what you think, you'd have to realize that you are just as worthy as that person and get rid of that fear and wobble. The second thing I want to bring up is so important, and we do this on our boot camp all, uh, as part of the boot camp, is that to tell your story clearly and honestly is really, really important because it allows you to see the trajectory of your life. Happy childhood, good grades, good girl, everything. And then all these events happen to show you how you were feeling about yourself that led you to here. And without each of those events happening, you'd never be here right now. You wouldn't have this. So all of them had to happen. And they, they even if some of them were very painful, they were part of your trajectory, which led you here. And now that you're here, you're at this point where you can choose anything, you know, and it's always going to be this game of worthiness, you know, and, and balancing all that. So, so we can really trace our limitations, which are all self-imposed based on those limiting beliefs we adopted at earlier times in our life. And to realize that it's really a game, game of understanding your true value. That's awesome. Okay. So how long has this, has your pod, podcast been going? It's been going since December 2017, so just a little over two years. Okay. Uh, and it's been going really well. Like I said, uh, after three months is when I quit my job and I realized, okay, if I put everything into this, I know, I know I can, I can build something of it. Because you know, there's so much fear in starting your own thing. It's so much easier to just get swept up into what somebody else built because if that comes falling down, it's ultimately not a reflection of you. Right. And so to put myself out there... It was just so difficult because I was afraid to publicly fail. This is such a public platform. There was so much of my story that not everyone had heard. And so there was a lot of vulnerability to that. Yeah. But the moment I opened up and realized that, you know, you, you can be holding on to this shame, but all you have to do is let it go. And, and suddenly there's not the burden. Like you, you choose to hold on to it. You can transform it. You can remold it into whatever. And the moment I started sharing and hearing the feedback that people got, it's like it burst my heart open yeah. and made me like, it was this purposeful thing that I had never quite felt before. Like, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm here to do. This is why all this happened. I can now relate to people through all the different things. Like I had a very severe case of bulimia. I lost a friend to suicide. I lost a dad. Like there's so much that that's in there that might seem all disconnected, but realizing, like I said earlier, that it's so important to me to realize what the through line of everything is. If I had only gone through one, then maybe I wouldn't have thought, oh, the self-worth is so important. There could have been some other reason because ultimately there are a bunch of reasons for almost 
you can find different reasons depending on what's going to really resonate with you at that moment. And to see that through line, I knew that was my message. And within six months, I was invited to podcast movement to uh, speak on a panel about how I grew my show so fast. I've since launched digital courses. I'm working on a mentorship program. And now I, I public speak all over the country. So it really has just opened up everything. And it was, it was leaping across that first uh, blockage of fear that really changed everything for me. We talked about this on our uh, podcast before, where who you were in, let's say, October 2017, could you imagine yourself going across the country speaking publicly? Interestingly enough, since I was a young kid, I always thought I wanted to be a public speaker. Ah. And, but it wasn't like this one driving force the whole time. It kept coming back to me. For example, when I was 11, my dad signed me up for an acting class because I really thought that's what I wanted to do. Like I knew, I've always known I, I wanted to do something big. And I remember practicing on stage and he picked me up after the first class and I was like, I don't understand why people want to go up there and pretend to be someone else. Isn't who I am enough? <laughs> and he's like, well, then you have to be a public speaker. And so this kept coming back to me a bunch of different ways. And when I started my podcast, part of that decision was realizing, okay, I could always, like I said, I was very deliberate about choosing this and, and I knew the topic, but there's YouTube, there's vlogs, there's whatever. I could always talk myself out of being on camera. I get too caught up in my words when I'm writing, but I've always gotten compliments on my voice. I have always been the talker. I was like, podcast makes perfect sense. And so really narrowing that down to uh, what's going to fit the best with you, like thinking ahead of those things. Because I had tried other things before. And when I got there, I realized I was chasing the wrong things. Mm. Like one example of this was I started a travel blog because who doesn't want to travel for free? Like right. it looks so glamorous. And then I got it to start working because I have a marketing background. And then I, I started and realized the last thing I want to do when I'm at the top of Machu Picchu is live stream and then write about where to travel. Like that's not, it didn't feel quite as meaningful for some people it might. I wanted to talk about why you're traveling or like, what do you get out of that? What did you learn? And so, um, you know, you, I think you have to try some things and put your feet in before you, <laughs> before you land on the right thing. Yeah, a lot more self-discovery and figuring out what's going to light you up. Well, when you're having a podcast and having a conversation with somebody, don't you feel like that hour goes by in a snap of a finger? Oh, yeah. And this is what bliss is. Bliss, when you're involved in something that is your bliss, time loses meaning. You don't need to eat. You know, the normal things of physical reality don't apply. They sort of fade away. And this is really how you know that what you're doing is authentically yours. Instead of trying to say, okay, well, this guy's a YouTuber and he's, he's kicking ass. I should make funny videos on YouTube. And then you start, you know, filming yourself and it looks awkward and you don't like editing. And you don't like doing anything. Well, you're trying to be somebody else because everyone has their own thing. And some people are great writers great on great technical people, great f doing video, speaking, whatever it is, everyone has their natural talent and attribute. And if you're going with inspiration, that stuff's going to come out. You're going to figure that stuff out. Yeah. And it felt that way. Right. And so it's interesting though, because you asked, could I imagine myself being on stage? And for a long time, it was weighing between, yes, I can. And I've always sort of been able to, 
But then when I would really think about it, really allow myself to think about it, fear would step in because it's like, can I handle that? Like, what would that involve? Like how, what else would it take to get there? Like, do I even want to be that busy? But what I've noticed is it's not there. You always have those when you have this big dream, Right. but the, the change occurs when you start working towards it. Like it might seem unrealistic to you right now, because if that was thrown on you right now, it might be too hard. It might be too much. But while you're trying to get there, who you become in the process is the person that can handle all that. So if you can convince yourself of that and take notice of of other times in your life, like could you imagine having two kids when you were 17 or when you were 21? But then all of a sudden you you might have twins and you aren't ready for it. But a couple years in, you're like, well, yeah, but I also couldn't imagine my life without it because you became a mother of twins or a father of twins in that time period. And so if you just know you will become that on your strive towards it, then it it can release a lot of that fear. So I know my, my goals right now are very big and they'd be overwhelming if I stepped into it right now, but I am in the process of becoming her who can handle it. And you can totally relish this part of the journey because here you get to play around with things and you get to have fun and you get to try new things and it's not going to be like it is five years from now. It's going to be less serious, you know, maybe, and obviously we're younger now than we will be five years from now. So we have interests that are fun at this part. When all the businesses I started, the first two years was the funnest part. And when it got super successful, you know, the first two years were, we're just putting in long hours and we're just banging it out and we're doing things we would never otherwise do. And then we get successful and then we just try and spend the money and it's all boring. This first part <laughs> is the fun part. Yeah. Well, you got to keep building then. Then, that, then every part's the first part of something. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was doing the old approach to life in that cheese grater Western thing, it, it was never enough. Because I was always trying to achieve my worthiness and the validation of others that I was good. And so I was efforting and struggling in all that. And in this, it's all fun and joy and ease. It's the same thing, but I'm not going at it needing validation or appreciation from others. I'm doing it because this is what I love to do. And then all the appreciation validation comes in. And it doesn't make me feel anything because I feel that way now. I'm creating from the inside out. So I've dropped my goals because my goals were my human attachment to an outcome that I thought I could imagine. And the universe has an outcome that's far beyond that. And so I simply do what I'm inspired to do in the day. And I'm moving so rapidly from this level to this level that I get to enjoy now and I don't have to worry about what comes. So the inspiration to have you here, the inspiration to whatever led me to be on your podcast, the inspiration to start my podcast five years ago, that thing is just, it is what it is. In the old days, I would say, okay, here's my to-do list. Got to get everything done on that to-do list. And if I don't get it done, I'm going to feel bad, you know, and Here's this goal that I have to achieve this month, this quarter, this year. And okay, I achieved that. So what? You know, now it's just everything is going by the grace of the universe. And this, and it's so much more spectacular than anything I could have conceived. So in my story, six years ago, when I just started 
receiving Joshua and started the first two books, um, if I had been shown a picture of me now, which is a completely different life, from that perspective six years ago, seeing this, I wouldn't have wanted it, right? I'm, you know, I'm a channel. I have this community that's gigantic. I have these speakings that I do and all the stuff that I do. It's so foreign that that old version of me couldn't have seen this. But this life I have now feels so good and is so satisfying that I would never want to go back to that old life, even though from everyone else's point of view, that old life looks super successful and happy, which it was. This is a thousand times what that was. Yeah. Now I would love to see one of those before and after pictures. You know how they do like, <laughs> they'll do a lot of um, before and after of like when this person was addicted to meth and then when this person got out of it and it's like this drastic difference. But there's also those things of like just the sparkle in somebody's eye when they're living in their bliss space, you know, yeah. compared to just the grind when you think like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what everyone around me is doing. It would be an internal view of how I felt, right? So how I felt as Gary six years ago, stressed out, attached to outcomes, worried about what people thought, blah, 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 very doubtful of Joshua and how I feel now really calm, really joyful, really in the moment, super present, meditating, building relationships with people as my utmost thing. My physical body is leaner and more flexible and more fit and stronger. You know, all these different parts of my life just feel so much better. And so it's a feeling reality, right? All we're ever doing is feeling anything. So I went from feeling okay to feeling absolutely amazing. That reminds me of uh, when I was struggling really heavily with bulimia. I feel like you know, it's easy to tell my whole story and that's just this one little piece. But for me, while living it, that was the main thing that sure. because it was this huge manifestation of everything else that was going on. And it was also forcing me to remain detached from everyone around me. I remember believing that people, I could never really be with someone because they would figure out my deepest, darkest shame. And I could easily tell some of the things that had happened to me in this detached way, but this I was so ashamed to tell. And I would be forcing my body to look like this certain thing, like binging and purging all day long sometimes, spending all my money as a college student on like ways to acquire food, taking my roommate's food, whatever. And I remember my body would when you're doing something like that anyways, your body fluctuates in weight a lot. Sometimes it would retain all the fat it could and then it would go down. My, a friend actually said, your body, it's like your weight fluctuates more than anybody I've ever met. And I'm like, thanks for telling a bulimic that. <laughs> she didn't know that at all, you yeah. know, but I'm like, these are my worst fears. And when I was finally, my healing didn't just come from learning to heal that first. It actually started with finding pieces of happiness and starting to regain control over other areas of my life yoga teacher training was a big part of that for me. Then finding love was the final piece. It was like I was work, working up my worthiness. I found love and, and it just sort of started to heal naturally um, for the most part. There were definitely things I had to work on. But once I let go of trying to force my body to do something, 
trying to force my body to be something. And it was all on out external expectations, you know, from yes. what I thought the perfect person looked like, what, what made me feel worthy of love even. When I started to realize that that existed on its own, my weight stopped fluctuating. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm a woman. It still fluctuates. <laughs> so for any women out there being like, what? How'd you reach that? No. <laughs> still has that five pounds. It moves around quite often. But, uh, but it's easy to maintain what I thought I was working towards the whole time. And I'm like, wow, I could have been keeping food in and focusing on nourishing myself rather than restricting myself the whole time. And you can look at that in any other area. Like where are you restricting your own happiness? Cause you think this is what you should be. And how can you let go and just focus on nourishing yourself, your body, your life and see what, what unfold. So that all comes from this illusion of unworthiness. So we're all worthy. We're all equal. Our worthiness is our birthright. We couldn't be here if we weren't worthy. But we have this illusion of unworthiness, and this is a life of fear. And in that life of fear, you have to detach from others. The more fear that you have, the more detached you will be. And because you feel unworthy to be one with others. In a life of love, you are only thinking of oneness. So. It's fear, detachment, individuality, and then it's love, acceptance, and oneness. And so we're all moving. We're all taking these journeys from fear to acceptance, from uh, fear to love, from control to acceptance, from unworthiness to worthiness, from detachment to oneness. So it's this oneness consciousness that we are all moving towards, but we have to start in a place of unworthiness and make that journey. The more you dip down into fear, the more you will receive thoughts of separation. And the more you will create conditions that literally separate you from others. And you'll see this with older people too. In your 20s, you might be very positive and happy and have a zest for life and ambitious and all that stuff. And as you go through life, you adopt limiting beliefs or you have limiting beliefs which you haven't processed. And those limiting beliefs gain momentum. And then later on in life, the, you start living more in fear and more in detachment. And that's why you see older people living more alone, more withdrawing from life, not going out and doing things. It's because that limiting beliefs are being built up in momentum and the momentum of fear. So we're trying to think about approaching life differently so that we move more and more towards love by processing those limiting beliefs constantly saying the limiting beliefs are always false. I can prove them false. I can find evidence to show that that limiting belief is false and I can reduce the intensity of that limiting belief and build the intensity of my beneficial beliefs. And my beneficial beliefs is I am worthy. I am inherently good. I do not have to prove my goodness and I can be, have, and do anything that excites me and brings me joy. Radically different way to approach life, but we have to understand that this is a journey of self-discovery and all of us have limiting beliefs that we can process that make us feel unworthy. And so few people are able to get through it like you did. Like you had to see yourself from a different perspective and say, this is not who I am. And so you let in little pieces of love and acceptance for yourself because it all and only ever starts with yourself. Did you also, were you also able to 
love and accept the people around you more easily? Oh, 100%. I've realized the way I experience myself determines the way I experience the world. Absolutely. And so a lot of times it'll play back and forth with each other where, for example, I might notice a judgment of somebody else and now I've trained myself to where before I would have judgments and then I'd just go down like a a rabbit hole in my thought process, maybe more judgments, maybe being like, okay, think about something else. But now it becomes an immediate trigger point for me where it's like, oh, that was a judgment. What was that about? And noticing that that is the same way I will judge. Those are the same things I really judge myself on. So I expect that from somebody else. You know, it's like, of course you have to do that. If I have to do that, you have to do that. And so sometimes depending on the situation, I will either work on that through my own, through myself or through other people because body image has been so difficult for me. That's still something I have to consciously work on. And if I'm not uh, proactive with it, I, I can find myself following into old falling into old thought patterns. But sometimes it's easier for me. Uh, like a, a couple years ago, I realized I was still being so hard on my body. And what I started to do was I was sending love to everybody else's body, no matter mm. what they looked like. I would look at them and say, that person is beautiful and here's why. And I'd find all the reasons to find them to be beautiful. And through doing that, slowly it started to crack away at my own self-criticisms. And so, and then sometimes other times I have a harder time with things with other people and I'll be like, how am I judging myself? And I'll work on myself first and then see it reflected through other people. So it's just this back and forth because everything's connected anyways. What's your, in mind love, what is the genre that you're in besides mental health? Was it um, self-improvement? Yeah, the self-help is in the education self-help. category. Yeah. Mental health is in the health and fitness category. So, yeah. Okay. So what if I were to tell you that you're perfect as you are right now? Would you resist that idea or is there any truth in that to you? There is truth in that. It's something that I, that I work on, but at the same time, when it's heard, there's some chattering back there. But it's like I now have split it into two sides. I don't. I try not to attach to those thoughts anymore. And I'm like, uh-huh. okay, those thoughts are there. Yes. Very and it's good. also hard to get rid of those thoughts completely because it's the message that so many people believe. And so it's like knowing, okay, this is what I know to be true. This is what I kind of feel in the back. This is what I know other people think, but I need to hold on to this because I need to be the pioneer for this new way of thought. Right. And that's how I look at it because the more I'm able to hold on to that truth, the more I give people permission to step into that for themselves. I sent you two books, um, the Joshua's first book, which is A Perception of Reality, and the third book, which is A Radical Change. It's a radical change in your approach to life. And it is us being the pioneer of this new approach to life. So fundamentally, we are all perfect as we are in the moment. You were perfect the day you were born, were you not? Mm -hmm. And then when you were two and you could toddle around, were you more perfect than the day you were born or were you simply an expanded version of that perfection? An expanded version. (laughs) And then when you were four and you could talk and you were six and you could read and you were 10 and you could write, You're just expanded versions of that perfection. Yet, because others needed to control you because you caused them fear, if you're toddling around, you might fall and hurt yourself, and that would cause them fear. They want to control you and want you to be good because if you are good, 
because they rely on the conditions to make them feel something rather than processing that internally, they wanted to control you and everything else in the reality. And so you adopted limiting beliefs along the way that made you feel imperfect. But wherever you are, you're, you have everything you need to do what you're doing. So your body right now is absolutely perfect for the journey that you're on. And if that journey is one of coming from unworthiness to worthiness, the body will assist you in that if you're ignoring all the other messages. It'll come down the road and then enter the body because you can't ignore the body. And, but, it, but at that time, you had the illusion that the body wasn't perfect, right? But you knew not, from this perspective where you are now, you knew you know that body was fine. There was nothing wrong with that body, right? So it's this illusion of imperfection that is so, seems so real and creates the way everyone operates, whatever their thing is. It's just amazing, you know? And how do we get to see through that illusion of wrong? That's, that's, the, uh, that's the great thing I want to get to, you know? How do we always recognize when we're looking at the illusion rather than the reality? I have been really focusing that this last year, I have challenges every year. And this last year, I've been really trying to focus on what my body feels. Yeah. I got to this point at the end, um, you know, through that, through my healing, there was still a point in my 20s where I was not keeping food down. I was prescribed 40 milligrams of Adderall per day. I was partying a lot. So I was doing whatever party drugs came with that, drinking a lot with friends. Even birth control, being on birth control since I was 14, it's like, how are you expected to really feel your body and feel your body's signals, which I, I have found so much of my healing from. It's how I make decisions now. I think about, I envision both outcomes and I notice how my body feels. Am I expanded or am I contracted? Um, with relationships, I notice how my body feels in interactions to choose who I'm going to spend more time with. Do I feel uplifted or do I feel drained? but I didn't know how to do any of this because I was overriding all my signals. Yeah. And we live in this amazing time where we have so much access to people like you, to other sources of inspiration where we can type in and in seconds have all the inspiration we need with this clearer view. But with that also comes all the noise that, that is our temptation. And so whether, it's, whether or not you had those same kind of numbing behaviors that I did, do you binge Netflix? whenever you're alone? Do you have to always be listening to something? Do you have to always be scrolling through something? Because you're limiting your time with yourself, which limits, it cuts you off from your own source of love. So you need those moments, like you said on the podcast on Mind Love, about the first step is learn to be an observer of your thoughts and sit in meditation. And we say even meditation, but you can even go on a walk and try to be the observer of your thoughts. And so the more that you practice that, it becomes this thing, just like I said, where, yes, you can tell me I'm perfect just as I am. I'll hear the chatter, but I no longer identify with the chatter. But if I'm not doing those things to nourish my mind, body, and spirit, giving myself what I need, there have been moments while I felt high up, even through the process of mind love, where you know, I was working too hard and being burnt out and whatever. And all of a sudden I'm having all these feelings and I'm identifying with the thoughts because I'm not giving myself the strength I need to be able to discern correctly. And so all those things notice, like we have, 
like with the privilege of all this information comes the temptation of, of falling down the rabbit hole in living in this fake reality that's not real. And Alan Watts says like this, something about the secret of life is to be completely engaged with what you're doing right here, right now. And that's nature. That is nature. And so if there's so many benefits to all the digital things, but it's also, it can become your hell if you're not careful. Yeah. I was just in a convenience store the other day and I noticed that the convenience store is this place where everyone gets their fix whether that's cigarettes or ice cream or candy bars or chips or what, it's just a store that has different fixes in it. And it's like, yeah, you know, what is everyone's fix and why are they seeking that fix? Well, they want to change how they feel. And they've, for most people, the easiest way to change how you feel is by eating something or doing something or doing something, you know, playing a video game or whatever, to distract yourself from the tension that's underlying everything. And if you can realize that that tension isn't you, it's just how you're sort of operating in resistance to who you truly are because you have these doubts about yourself and you just don't want to show them. You have these stories that you're keeping secret because you were ashamed by them. And in that, you're being inauthentic. If you could simply be who you are without the fear of what other people think or the fear of failure or the fear of loss, and I know that's very hard to do, but just little by little by little, be more of who you are and you'll feel this more ease coming and that tension leaving you. And then that allows you to be more present. But we attach so much to this idea of who we are. We're a good person, we do good things, we help others, we you know, are you know, prompt on time, where we take responsibility, whatever that is. It's only to make other people like, love, and respect you. And a lot of times you'll be inspired to do something and you won't do it because you might fail, you get, might get embarrassed, people might scoff at you, and if you could just move yourself away from needing that feedback to, to validate your existence, you'd be able to do so many more things. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting too, because I was talking to somebody recently and telling her something similar and she was caught up in the spirituality aspect of this because things hadn't been proven yet to her. And so, like I said, for me, during that process of finding a new kind of spirituality, uh, because at first when I cut off my religion, I was like, nothing, there's no, nothing beyond this. <laughs> I had no, it was hard yeah. until I found that scientific part of it. And realizing that in that whole process you're talking about, there's also the science of the neural connections. And so say in that moment, I can relate to what you were saying about, you know, wanting to get up and eat or whatever to release the tension. I've been practicing a speech and for some reason, practicing on my own is so difficult to just stop and be in the middle of a room and speak to no one. You know? yeah. And so I'll find myself just walking to the fridge or like making a coffee or whatever. But every time I do that, it's reinforcing that when I feel this tension, I will walk over there again. And so mm -hmm. it becomes more and more frequent. And it's like training a dog when you think about it, where it's like, I have a little dog and he's just so easy to be like, oh yeah, he might've done that, but whatever. It's, it's not like, what, there's not a big consequences. He pees in the house 
and it's this like tiny thing I wipe up in one swoop. And yeah. so, but like you have to still reinforce and like say no and, and do these things very deliberately. And then it becomes a really well-behaved dog. Well, my brain is the same way. So if I realize, okay, I'm not going to give myself the bone right now, like <laughs> by yeah. walking over there, sit down. And I, I use these little markers of like, okay, no, this tension is for you right now. The tension is being felt because you're growing through something. It's right. like the trying to grow through the gums, you know, right. allow it to be push through the, can you still work for another 10 minutes or get this done or push through it a little bit more? And then I find myself more being able to do that because I'm strengthening that neural connection that this is what I do instead. And so it's, it blends together with exactly how our bodies are meant to perform. Totally. And what you're strengthening though is your connection with your inner self and with source consciousness. Mm -hmm. And one day you're going to get up in front of an audience without anything prepared and speak for an hour just simply with thoughts flowing through you. <laughs> and how powerful will that be? Yeah. It will be powerful. I, I have moments like that where I'm like, oop, that was source. <laughs> yeah, that was source. My- where did that come from? Well, this conversation that you're having, do you have any notes? I don't have any notes. It's I just this <laughs> free-flowing you know, because we're both in alignment. There's not a lot of fear around what the other thinks of the other, and we have no attachment to the outcome of this conversation because we could delete it if we want to. And it's just fun. And in that, we're having this spiritual connection that is just going back and forth. And like, look now, it's 2.22, where I am, and we've been talking for a while here. It's amazing. It is. Every time I find that, it's interesting too because I – I'll shiver. I don't know what it is. It's like this burst of energy and I I shiver. And so like, I'll be like even just fired up in a group of friends and I'm like, and I have those monologues quite often (laughs) these days. And, and then at the end I'll be like, and they're like, Melissa, it's 90 degrees out. Why are you you shivering? Mm -hmm. I'm like, cause I got fired up. (laughs) Because you are aligned. We would say that is the sign of alignment right there. Goosebumps, shivering, things like that. Wow. Okay. What's next for you? Where's, where, what's going on? What are you excited to do? What are you passionate about doing right now? Right now, I'm really passionate about creating community. And so yeah, there's a few different too. ways that I'm, that I'm inspired to work with people. First off, I, I want to develop more of those interpersonal connections. So I'm, I'm taking on some people to help them find something that feels purposeful and create an online business from it because I have that that purpose drive, as well as the marketing side. I also want to be speaking more. I love being on stage sharing a message. It just feels like what I'm meant to do. And Mm -hmm. I also want to create a movement. Mind Love has always had this idea. A lot of people create the personal brand and that's amazing. And there's so many benefits in that that could have made my job easier. But I also see Mind Love being something beyond me, giving your mind a little love today, uh, being inspired, like living through your inspiration. And so I'm trying to figure out how to create a little membership portal for people that want some extra inspiration. It's interesting to say that, and I think podcasting is great because I'm on your podcast, you're on my podcast. We're not worried about, you know, losing listeners or gaining listeners or any of this stuff. We're building these sort of relationships and partnerships, growing this whole idea, however it grows, and spreading this idea of moving away from individuality towards community. 
and building the community without having it be all about you, having it be about an idea that's bigger than everyone combined. That seems to me to be absolutely aligned with who I truly am and with love itself. That is a love-based idea. Instead of itching out a little meager, you know, uh, like niche just for yourself. It's like bringing it all together with everyone else. I'm totally excited about doing the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you understand what your soul's purpose is? I do. Um, I mean, there's a few things that come to mind. Uh, I, like I said, that's when, when I really figured out that that self-love or self-worth piece was what I was missing and understanding how to redefine that in a way that I understood that I actually gave myself what I needed. That's such a big part of my story and what I'm so excited to teach. But there's also different parts of my past that I feel really passionate about, so such as open-mindedness and understanding what that means because I was raised in such a way where, where you had to close yourself off from new information. If it wasn't in this book, then it wasn't real. And that held me back in my growth for a really long time. And so helping people realize that expanding your mind, just expand your possibilities, doesn't mean you need to be taken a fool of or taken, for, taken advantage of or anything like that. It just means what would happen if you entertained that idea? Right. You don't have to take everything you want from that idea, but, but what's in it for you? Even just looking through the eyes of that person whose belief system you don't understand at all, what can you learn from them? Because we all have something to teach. And so there's a lot of underlying purposes within what I'm trying to do. I'm just helping people share their stories without shame, realize how connected we are, um, helping people open their mind to a different belief system. It all does come back to that connectedness, though. Yeah, well, you are obviously a leader and a teacher. And that idea about opening your belief system is so important because your beliefs are not true or false. They're either empowering or limited. And your limiting beliefs are preventing you from living the life that you intended to live. The Sphinx by archaeologists was considered to be a certain age. And the meteorologist came by um, and said that, no, this is water erosion, not wind erosion. And for it to be water erosion, it had to have existed when there was water in this area, which is thousands of years before you thought it was. And these uh, archaeologists, like, everyone's calling this guy crazy for thinking that or for bringing that up. And now, 10 years later, that's what we know to be true. And, and if you could just entertain someone else's idea, if it's true for you, if it resonates for you, play around with it a little bit and you can see that there might be a way to reduce the intensity of your own limiting beliefs. And from there, everything changes because everything, your reality is based on your belief system because your beliefs influence to a huge degree, your vibration and your vibration creates your reality because the reality is simply a reflection of what you are feeling about yourself in the world in the moment. And that has to do with your beliefs. So working on the beliefs, is the best thing you can do. Amazing. All right, Melissa, tell everyone where they can find you. My podcast is called Mind Love, Two Words. You can find it on any podcast platform that you listen on. Uh, you can also find me at mindlove.com or on Instagram or tw Twitter at mindlovemelissa. Awesome. This has been a phenomenally incredible, wonderful conversation. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's always and a pleasure. Awesome. Say goodbye to everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.
Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you would like to support this show, the best thing you can do is subscribe, uh, especially on iTunes. Also, leave your comments and leave your ratings. And that will help us grow this community of people who are interested in law of attraction and the uh, mechanism of physical reality. It'll be cool to spread the word even further. And you can help out by subscribing, leaving your comments, and rating the show. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.